Hello everyone and welcome back to The Grio with Debbie. I hope everyone is doing well. I hope that um, you're staying safe and I hope that you are spending some serious time with the Lord. Today our topic on Amazing Runners, which is part two of a three-part episode. I will do part three next time. And uh, on this topic, we started out by defining what a maze is. We're talking about mazes and how we've, you know, we seem to have gone to sleep and awakened to a maze of a life since this pandemic started. I mean, usually we, we're in a maze anyway, but this maze has become very, very um, complicated. And um, I talked about the movie called Maze Runners, um, Maze Runner, I'm sorry, which um, talked about this maze that these boys would run the maze every day and try to get some information on the maze so they could figure out how to navigate the maze and how to get out of this place called the Glade that they were kind of imprisoned in. Um, what they what they had to do is is figure out strategies and different things and so I saw a lot of spiritual similarities when I watched this movie and as I researched this topic of a maze and we said that a maze is a confusing network of passages that always has an entrance and an exit and it's also I thought this was really a great definition for where we are today is a maze is a state of bewilderment and that's exactly what's happening. We are bewildered, but we are not without hope. And, um, you know, I just wanted to continue this, this talk. And so I want to talk about a few, highlight a few things about the maze this week in this, in this particular podcast. We talked about how, uh, we prepare to navigate our maze successfully. We have to prepare before we go in there. And in this movie, Maze Runner, um, the, the boys who were running the maze every day and had to be back before dark, they had made a model of what they saw of the maze. The only problem is the model wasn't really accurate because um, every day it would recalibrate itself. The maze would recalibrate itself so that it would be different. And so there was, there was never really any certainty about, you know, how the maze was going to be because it would always change. And our mazes are similar to that because they change. We, you know, we go from day to day, think we hear something on the news. We hear something new that's changed. Somebody's gotten killed again. Uh, black people are being murdered left and right in broad daylight and we're we're always seeing a recalibration of our maze in some way shape or form whether it's our personal life or whether it's life in general Uh, we hear all this devastating news on the media on the media in the media and we also hear a lot of lies I mean, we are really in a time where one lie after another is being told um, by the President of the United States, and not only him, but all the people who work around him have learned to lie well. And so 
This is a big issue when we deal with our mazes, how to confront lies. And we know that the Bible has told us that um, the father of lies is Satan. And, um, and so this is huge as far as running our maze, our real life mazes. So one of the things that we said before in preparation, before we even get in the maze, to go in the maze, is we need to know Christ. You can't successfully do a maze, this maze, your maze, if you don't know Christ. Because if you're going to go in that maze and think that you're going to, um, you're going to, you know, be able to figure things out on your own, that's not going to work. And we already see the, the devastation that has been brought by a person, the president, who wants to do things on his own, who refuses to take advice, who refuses to answer to God, who, who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, um, doesn't feel a need to repent or ask for forgiveness. That's a big mistake right there. We also only need to rely on the Holy Spirit power. In the Greek, the word um, dunamis means power. It means dynamite. And you can listen, you can hear by dunamis, which sounds like the beginning of dynamite. We can't even think about going in the maze without having the power of the Holy Spirit resting on us. We call on the Holy Spirit to be our spiritual eyes and ears as we go in that, if we prepare for that maze. And the Bible says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And I, I try to live my life every day in my maze doing that. Lord, show me the way. Show me whether I should do this or that or go here or say that. How should I behave in this situation? Um, just, just everything in my maze. We need Holy Spirit wisdom, which is pretty much the same thing. The book of James chapter 1 tells us that. In Jeremiah 6.16, which I've quoted to you before, it says, Stand at the crossroads and look and ask, What are the ancient paths? And ask, What is the good way that I may walk in it and find rest unto my soul? And we need to know that we need to be prepared to do that in that maze. There are going to be a lot of places in that maze where we're going to need to stand at that crossroads and ask God, Show me the way I should take. We also need Holy Scriptures. We need Psalm 119, 10 through 12, which says, uh, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we need Bible memorization. We shouldn't dare go into our mazes without knowing Scripture. We might not know the entire Bible, but we ought to know some, we ought to highlight some, some basic, some real um, Scriptures that will guide us and help us, teach us train us as we are in that maze. <clears throat> we need to have a solid biblical worldview and the practice of living it out no matter who or what. So I advise you to figure out now what is your biblical worldview? Do you have one? Or are you living out the world's worldview? We need to know what Jesus has to say. We need to know his worldview so that we can embrace that and live accordingly in that maze because you know we can't go in a maze and think like the world thinks we can't do life like the world does that's not the way of Jesus that's not the way of the Bible 
excuse me. We need a strong stand on truth so that we can come back um, relative truth while living out 1 Corinthians 13, agape love. And what I mean by this is, what does the Bible have to say? What are the truths of the Bible? When you are, it's part of your worldview, as I just said. And when you're dealing with or running up against in your maze, relative truth, people that are speaking truth according to what they think or what that situation is, um, or, or because everybody's doing it or saying it is true, that's not going to stand up. You're going to have to be able to combat that. Yet, you have to do it while loving that person. You know, um, not being rude, not being nasty, not being a know-it-all, uh, not just seeking your own. You know, there's a way to do it. Um, and 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is kind. You know, and and it and we should speak the truth in love, but we should speak truth, not harshly, not in a way that would turn people against the Lord. Then we need to be willing to call out wrongdoings without compromise, no matter who or what. When we see something wrong, and even, you know, John Lewis said, "You see something wrong, say something, do something, get in good trouble." We've been hearing that a lot, and it's true. We should not just get in a little corner somewhere and get quiet and, and then go home and say that was wrong. We need to call wrong out. And again, we need to do it with the 1 Corinthians 13, agape love. Today, we want to um, delve into some other things we need to consider about our mazes. So now that we have prepared to go into the maze, now we need to think about what is waiting for us in our maze. What's waiting for us there? It's a lot of things waiting. And we need to know what we're dealing with before we go in there. First of all, um, there's going to be trouble in that maze. And I didn't say this, but Jesus said this in John 16, 33. In this maze, he said in this world, but I'm going to use maze here, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So also, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in stresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we're going to have trouble in that maze. That's one of the things we're going to see in there for sure. Jesus didn't mince any words. He told us he was, we were going to have trouble. So we shouldn't be shocked, although I'm ashamed to say sometimes some of the things that show up in my maze, I'm kind of shocked and overwhelmed a little bit. But he told us. He didn't say you're going to have everything going well for you. Everything's going to be perfect. You know, you're going to have flowery beds of ease. He didn't tell us that. But the, the powerful thing that he said in this is you're going to have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. Keep your spirits up because I've overcome your maze. I've overcome your, your world. I can handle it. You just hang with me. And then he tells us something that we really need to know. We need to have his grace to deal with that trouble. And so this scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. 
I wanted to break that down and do a word search on a lot of the words that are in that scripture. Again, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and stresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And here, I want to break down those words that we just said in that scripture. The first word I want to, uh, basically, there are 13 words in that scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. They're words of encouragement, and I want to break them down. The first one is grace, for my grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And my God will make all grace abound unto you, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So when he says, my grace is sufficient, that's what, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing um, this grace that God has given us that covers everything, all times, all situations, and we have as much as we need. So when we go in there, we got trouble, but we got all that grace to take care of every part of that trouble that we are going to face. And number two, the number two thing that I want to pick out of that scripture, the word is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Sufficient means to be content, to be enough, to suffice, and to be satisfactory. So we don't have to worry. According to the Bible, this is what it means. And we don't have to worry because we have the sufficiency of Christ. We have his grace. We have his presence. So we have everything we need to deal with that trouble. And then we have strength. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. What does this mean? The Greek word, um, the strength means in the Greek power. It means wonderful work. It it means to be possible. So all things are possible. And then my my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's a good thing to be weak. Weaknesses mean in the Greek malady, frailty, disease, infirmity, sickness. Now that those words do not make us feel good to be have a malady or to be frail or diseased or infirmed or have some sort of a sickness. But in that in those conditions, we witness the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord to do what we can't do for ourselves or we can't fix ourselves. In the Bible, in Jesus' world, in his thoughts and thinking, weakness is a good thing. And then the word gladly, I will gladly, you know, um, he says here, uh, I, I take, I rather glory in my, most gladly, will, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. And gladly means with great pleasure. Take great pleasure that you're weak and that you have these infirmities. Not just because you have them, but because you know somebody that can do something about them. And then the word glory. I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ will rest upon me. Glory means to make boast, to rejoice, to boast in the fact that 
that you got weaknesses, but you know somebody that can help you. And then the next word, number seven, word of encouragement in that scripture is rest, that the power of Christ may rest on me. I use this all the time for my own life. The power of Christ is resting on me every day, all day long. Rest means abide with or rest upon. He's hanging with me. He's resting on me. And right, right there, I, I have access to him at all times because he's making me his resting place. And then the eighth word of encouragement from the scripture is reproaches. My glory and my reproaches. What are reproaches? In the Greek, they are insults. They, as we interpret it from the Greek, it's an insult. It's an injury. It's a harm or hurt. And right now in my own personal life, I'm going through a lot of reproaches. I'm having my character questioned. Um, I don't like having my character questioned. It, it, it's more precious to me. Like the Bible said, your character should be more. Pre- it is more precious than precious gold, silver, or gold. And and I struggle with that. But at the same time, I can rejoice and be glad and take pleasure in this because. The power of Christ is resting on me. And he defends me and he's giving me strength. And then the next word, persecutions. I glory in persecutions. And it means to pursue, to be followed after, to flee. You might be running from something or have something, someone or something following after you, dogging you. But you glory in it because again, you know that you have the power of Christ resting on you and he's going to fight with you. He's made you his resting place. He's with you all the time. And he said, I've overcome your maze. The 12th word of encouragement in this scripture is weak, impotent, to be diseased, to be sick, to be made weak. Like I said earlier, Jesus loves it when we are weak. He loves that because then his power his strength can be shown through us to a point where people will look up and say what how did that happen and then the 13th word that's found in that scripture is strong when I am weak then I am strong so weakness equals strength not in the regular world not in the real world but in God's world strength and this word is means powerful capable and possible and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength because he gives you that strength because why he's resting on you he's made you his resting place he's made you be able to deal with the impossible because he has given you power and strength in your weakness So when you think about a weak person, you don't think about somebody that's going around bragging off who they are or bragging off what they've done or bragging off the fact that they know everything and look how good I am and look what I've done. It reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible. Look how great a kingdom I've built. You know, look how great I am. I have this tower here that's made of solid gold and all this. That's not the kind of person that God is going to empower. He's going to empower those who are humble 
not the arrogant. Another thing that we're going to find in our mazes is our blessings. And you might say, um, well, you know, why would we need help with blessings? Well, Psalm 103, 2 through 18 tells us not to forget his benefits, which are his blessings. That means his healing, his sustenance, that he renews our strength, that he gives us compassion, mercy, and delivers us from death. We are not to, you know, a lot of times we can't deal with blessings. Some of us receive the blessings of the Lord and we flaunt it. We don't ask God for wisdom on how to use it. Maybe we come into some extra money and we might tell people, you know, like I came into this money, but what are you planning to do with that money? Is there some way you can help somebody with it? Should you be praying and asking God, are you paying tithes on it? Are you paying tithes? I paid tithes on cakes. I've made cakes for people and sold cakes. Um, Or if I gotten extra money or there have been times that my husband, when he was working, he would get a bonus and he would give me some of the bonus and I would pay tithes on that. I mean, are you asking God to show you if you you have were able to buy a new house? Were you asking God to show you how to use that not only as a blessing to you, but how can you use your house as a blessing to other people? Um, when we moved into our house, we, before it was constructed, I may have mentioned this before, um, before they even cleared the ground to start the building and start the foundation, we prayed over the, this house and we asked God to help us to use it as a blessing to him, um, to glorify him and using it as a haven to help other people who had trouble, a place where people could come. And we have had people come here. We have had neighbor, a neighbor come here who was in trouble, a couple of neighbors, one that lived in our development and one in another nearby development, come here and late at night and say, I'm in trouble and needed a place of refuge where they were being domestically abused. Um, we've used our home to have retreats here uh, for people to be refreshed. And we've raised grandchildren in this house, two sets who were homeless because of a fire and or they were going to be homeless. And I, that's just some of the ways. I can't tell you all the Bible studies we've held in this house. So we, we don't just see our blessings, my husband and I, as just something that God has given us. We, we want to know, okay, Lord, how can we bless? So we need to be praying that God would, we need to ask God, how should we use the blessings that you've given us? And that includes things like your health. That includes the fact that you woke up that day. What can you do to glorify God? Um, the blessings of having a car uh, to drive around or whatever, whatever you're, you, everything you have is a blessing from God. So we should always be praying about our blessings. A lot of times we pray about the trouble we get in or the problems we have, but we forget that we need to seek God's wisdom on how to use the blessings that he's given us. If we don't, what good are they? What good are, they're just helping us, but they're not doing anything to serve other people in Jesus' name. Also in the maze, we're going to run into dead ends. We're going to run into situations where we're going to come to a dead end. The movie Maze Runner, they, they ran down these halls and they come to a dead end. and They had nowhere to go and they had to go back up a different way. What do we do when we get to a dead end? Jeremiah 6, 16. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask. Lord, where do you want me 
to go. Show me the way I should go. Mark time. When you can't go up or down or go forward or backward or the sides, just mark time until God shows you. And Jeremiah 29, 1 through 11. Uh, people always quote Jeremiah 29, 11. But you know, you need to read it in its context and get a richer appreciation of it. If you go back to the first verse of Jeremiah 29, the prophet is telling the people on behalf of the Lord, he's the Lord's mouthpiece. And he's saying to them, basically, they're in captivity. They're in Babylonian captivity. He's saying, I know you don't like where you are. I know you don't like your situation. You've come to a dead end, basically. And this is where you found yourself because you have been disobedient to me. Um, then he says, uh, what you need to do is, is, is go on with your lives. Live your life while you're waiting for me to, you, you know, your breakthrough. Live your life, he said, marry, give your children in marriage, plant gardens, you know, pray for, for this place where you are because if it goes well for you, them, it will go well for you. And then he says, for I know the plans I have for you. He's telling them, this is what you do. But you also know that I have plans of good and not evil to give you a hope and a future. That I'm working on your plan for you. But your job is to go on with your life, to mark time, to do, be about the business of everyday things. That's huge. And that's been, you know, something that I've really been um, reading and thinking about for years now. In the maze, you're going to have hurdles. And, you know, I love hurdle races. I don't know if that's what they call them, but... In the Olympics, I like to see the, the jumpers jump over those hurdles. And <clears throat> unlike real life, those hurdles are strategically pla placed. I guess they place them so many meters away from each other. I, I don't know. But there seems to be a certain rhythm to them. And, um, you know, the jumpers, they, they jump over, they run, and then they jump over the next one. And there's this, I guess because I'm a musician, I see that as a certain rhythm that they have. But when you're in a maze, a real maze, and dealing with hurdles, it's not set up like that. You don't have them, you know, lined up in a row and, you, you know, and, and so many meters from each other or whatever and jumping over them so you can anticipate the next one. Our, our hurdles are coming every which way with little or no warnings. They are all over the place. They're not in a straight line. They might start out in a straight line and then they, they, you know, move over to the right some and they might move over to the left or in the middle. Um, and then you might have one here and one over here and one, one quick one after another one in succession. We have to be prepared in our mazes to duck, to jump and to dodge these hurdles that are coming up on us. And one of the most beautiful scriptures I know that tells us about this is Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And this scripture that I just quoted comes after he, this, the prophet Habakkuk says, you know, though the fig tree does not, though the, uh, the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. Though, though, and he goes on to say, though this or that, though the olive crop fails and there, there are no grapes on the vine, though there are no sheep in the pen or cattle in the stall. He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Now, what is he saying here? No matter what, no matter what the hurdles are, no matter what I have to jump over, no matter how close they are to each other, how far apart, whether it's zigzag or whatever way that the sequence that they come in, I'm going to still rejoice in the Lord. 
And he says, the Lord gives me feet, the feet of a deer. So when I researched this, I found out something very interesting. There's a, a deer called the hind deer. And this is a deer that, that Habakkuk is talking about here and also in other scriptures in the Bible. This, it's a deer called the hind deer whose feet whose hind feet are made especially for climbing mountains. And his, the hind feet fall, this is amazing. The, feet, the hind feet of this deer, this particular type of deer, fall exactly where the front feet have been. So when the front feet land and, and rise up to go to the next thing, the, the back feet fall exactly in the spot where the front feet have been. Now this, you talking about some hurdle jumping. This is some amazing hurdle jumping. And this is, this is what God likens us to in his word when he says, when Habakkuk says that God makes my feet like the feet of a deer, a hind deer. He, he's ready to jump every which way the thing is coming. And, and it reminds me of, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about the shield, using the shield to protect us um, as part of our armor that we dress up in. It's good to have your shield, but it's even better if you are seeking God's wisdom about how to strategically place your shield. Because we don't know which way the enemy's coming at us. We don't know how he's going to come. And so we have to ask God, you know, show me how to show me how to put my shield where I should put my shield now. And where should I move it to then? Same thing as the hind deer. Being ready to do that kind of jumping. This is a this is huge and it, it should really make you feel good to know that we have the feet of a deer, the hind feet. We have the capability of jumping those hurdles, however and whenever they come at us. In your maze, you're gonna also have people, of course. You're gonna have people outside the maze and people inside the maze. That includes family, people in your work environment, your neighbors, and people who um, um, I have here, drivers, um, you know, people are going to taking you around and doing things. And, and I want to tell you about a, a story in my life, um, just quickly about people. Um, I worked, I was the only black music teacher in a county, a predominantly white county, predominantly white schools. Um, there were only a few of us black people in the schools who were teachers, but I was the only black music teacher in the entire county out of over a hundred some people. And um, I was uh, working in, a, in my music department in my school had four, uh, four of us, uh, the band teacher, the orchestra teacher, and two general music teachers of which I was one. They were all white. The band teacher was a, um, he was a bigot and he admitted he had been raised up to be a racist. Um, I don't know what the other two women were, but they, they didn't like me. Um, and I was basically, um, even at, when we had, um, you know, when we had, uh, meetings and I was department chairman, the only one that would show up was the bigot. The other two, uh, didn't come and they, they didn't have any respect for me, um, to be in that position. They didn't respect, I was much older than them. These women were, uh, all of them were much younger than me and some had just come out of college. Um, but they didn't like the idea that I, the principal had appointed me as the department chairman and they wouldn't come to the meetings. And, um, but, you know, as a Christian, I didn't run and tell the principal and say, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I just merely 
um, wrote the minutes of the meeting, I put it in their mailboxes and, you know, had something to cover me uh, in case I was asked about something. Um, this one teacher uh, decided she was going to talk to me about, talk about me to other students, which is a cardinal rule. You don't go, you don't go to students and talk about another teacher. And uh, one of the kids who was a Christian was in the Bible club that I, that I sponsored, overheard this and she came and she made mention of it. And I, I did go to the principal on this because that was, you know, they had been doing a lot of things to me. And this was like the last straw. So I uh, went to the principal and the principal uh, was, was livid. And she told this, um, she, she sent them, put a note in her mailbox and told this other teacher she, that she was gonna have meet with me, her, and, and the principal, her, and myself were gonna have a meeting on that Wednesday. And this was on a Monday. Um, this girl was, this teacher was terrified of the principal. The principal also, knew, I knew her when she was a teacher in our school. She was a principal and she showed me favor. She loved me. She used to always talk about how she wished she could bottle what I had and give it to other teachers as far as my teaching skills and how I related to the kids. Well, she um, call, was calling a meeting two days later and this girl was terrified of the principal. So the principal was also white and she came down to my room that day after school and said, I understand that we're gonna have a meeting. Can we talk about it? Just the two of us. And she didn't wanna go before the principal. And I said, yes, and she came in the room. And I, I just, I didn't yell at her. I didn't, I'm not a person who use cuss words or anything like that. I didn't yell or I had to remember who I was and I had prayed myself up, even though I didn't know the meeting was gonna end up being that day. And I told her, I said, you know, very calmly, I, uh, I have been kind to you. You were a new teacher. Um, you didn't know how to teach eighth grade music. And you came to me and I stayed late after school, showing you, giving you ideas from my plan book and things that I had done, inviting you to come to my classroom and observe me. And I have, um, I knew you liked pound cake and I would bring you pound cake in a lot. And I said, there were even times, you know, when you had personal problems your personal love life or whatever. And I would stay after school late talking to you about these things, you know, giving you time. And then you would do this kind of thing to me. And this girl bawled. You would have thought I was screaming at her. She bawled and she kept saying, I didn't do it. But she was bawling and so bad that I had to go get her some tissues. And the point I'm making here is that I didn't fight evil for evil. I could have gotten in there. I know how to get with people. You know, I, I worked in the public with parents, and I read parents, and I, I, I can go on that level. But I chose not to. I chose to do it God's way. I chose to just speak truth and, and speak in a t kind tone of voice, do the First Corinthians 13 thing, not be rude, to be kind and all that. Um, and and, and it, it, it brought deep conviction on her. And she cried up a storm. And so when we go in there, we're dealing with people, but the Bible also says in Romans 12, 18, as much as possible, live peaceably with all people. And Proverbs 15, 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Also in our maze, we're going to have grievers. And in the movie that I told you 
Maze Runner. They had these things in the, in the maze called grievers, and the grievers were very harmful. They would actually, they were like spider, kind of, you know, spiderly looking creatures, and they would actually sting anyone that, that they caught in the maze. Um, Ephesians 6, 1 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. The grievers want to infect us. These are people in our, um, people in situations in our maze that want to infect us with the venom of deceit, heartaches, disappointments. They want to discourage us and incessantly tempt us to give up by using a slew of smoke screens. And I recently had something like that happen in a situation that I'm going through now that I'll be going to court about next month, October 5th, um, where some, some big smoke screens were set up and I um, almost bought into them. And I had to remember that God's, the truth, God's truth was behind those smoke screens and, and you know, break those smoke screens down and see truth. The grievers will also infect us with emotional stress and strain, anxiety, pain, and anger that may leave us wondering where God is and why he's allowing all this to happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're also going to see in our um, maze lemons, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all to things together for good to those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And my knee replacement therapy was an example of that. I talked about that in one of my other podcasts. Um, I had to go through some bad uh, experiences with my knee, uh, all the knee surgeries I had, and the therapy. And from that, God brought about a wonderful um, book. Um, not, I'm not bragging, but people are telling me that, um, called From Weeds to Wisdom. So that came out of it. And I've had a whole lot of situations where I ran into lemons in life. And where, you know, when, my, when I, when I uh, uh, had to come to Delaware, my ex-husband left and, and we were struggling and we came up to Delaware because my mother was here. Um, I was broke. I didn't have much money. It was only by the grace of God that I was able to raise my kids and put a roof over their head, make car payments and do all the things I needed to do. <clears throat> But God gave me, a few months after that, God gave me, <clears throat> excuse me, a ram in a bush because he, uh, I was allowed to transfer from my old retirement system to my new retirement system. The new one wasn't as good, but I was able to get $10,000 cash from my old system when I transferred over. And I was able to um, pay some bills, um, get a new car that I badly needed, <clears throat> I put a down payment on it and I was able to um, get my head above water a little bit so that I could you know be freed up somewhat um, and that worked to my advantage too so God you know I can tell one story after another now the next thing is what do we take into our maze what do we take into our mazes um, I'm going to um, just do a few of these because of the time and I will continue these, uh, some of these things next week uh, in my next, in part three of the Amazing Runners um, podcast. We want to take into our maze, I'll, I'll, I'll do, deal with two things to start out, and I'll do the rest of these next time. We want to start out by taking the Holy Spirit in our maze. Now, if we're not saved, we're not going to have the Holy Spirit to take in the maze. He, he dwells, he resides within us. He rests on us. 
He is our comforter, our paraclete. He walks alongside of us. He's our cheerleader. He's our convictor, our comforter, our spirit of truth and righteousness, our teacher, our wisdom, our vision, our source, our creativity, our discerner, and our tester of spirits. What more could you ask for? You got all that with the Holy Spirit. Now, and um, you want to take, another thing you definitely want to take into your maze is scripture in the Bible. Again, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And, And Jesus lights our way. His word lights our way when we're in the darkness, when we don't know what to do, when we're at the crossroads, when we run into a a dead end, you know? He's our light. And so his word is our light and we need to take that. Now next week I'm going to talk about the other things that we need to um, take into our maze. People, faith, prayer, peace, experiential knowledge, those things I'm going to address next week. And I'm also going to address, Lord willing, next week, what should our attitude be in the maze? What should we be when we get in that maze? What should we be like? What should we be? And so I'm going to talk about those things. And that would take us to hopefully the final part, um, which is part three. But there was so much to this that this is why I haven't done a podcast lately because I have been really really thinking and researching um, about what I wanted to say this is this is a this is huge this maze thing and I and I didn't want to treat it lightly so it took me some time to gather my thoughts to do some studying and preparation and it ended up being a three-parter which I, I didn't even think it was going to be but one part but um, it's a three-parter and don't be surprised if it ends up being a four-parter because I have so much material to share with you. I hope that these teachings on the maze are being a blessing to you. I hope that you are finding um, uh, some, some, some good wisdom in all of this to, to help you with your daily maze. Our mazes are very different. They're the same, but they're different too. Um, we're all dealing with this stuff going on in our country. Um, but the difference in us and people who don't know the Lord is how we deal with it. How do we deal with this bad news every day and things that are overwhelming and the things that our leader is doing and the things that our Congress is doing? How do we, you know, we should be different. We, we shouldn't be like the pagans, like the Bible says about when we lose a, a, a loved one. We, we shouldn't be reacting and thinking and behaving like... Um, like the world does. We should be a light in our mazes to others so that they can find their way through their maze and maybe even find Jesus along the way. So I hope you're being blessed and I hope you're looking forward to the next part because I think this is some rich material that the Lord has given me, the Holy Spirit has given me, and I definitely don't want to keep it to myself. I want to share it. I want you to be blessed by it. And I'm encouraging you not only to listen to the podcast, but share it with other people. That's how it gets out. Share it with friends across the country who don't live around you or people who are around you or in your family, people who in your prayer group or your Bible study group or in your church. Please 
share these because they are meant to be shared. It's a podcast. And we, we listen to other podcasts all the time with people saying all kinds of stuff, but we need to be listening more and more to the word of God, to what saith the Lord. And so let us conclude with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this podcast, for giving me the idea of the Grio with Debbie and for leading me in the paths of what I should say and do and the topics that you are choosing for me to talk about and the research and preparation, which is not tedious for me, Lord. It's a joy. I love it. I love, I'm a teacher. I love to learn and I love to teach always did all my life as far as I can remember back and I I I I'm excited because I want to share what you're giving me to other people it's it's good news and I want to share it dear God and I ask you that if I'm saying anything that's wrong or misleading I ask you to forgive me Lord I know that uh, you know you expect certain things of me as a teacher leader Someone is speaking on your behalf, and I don't want to mislead anyone. And Lord, I, I want to pray for those who are listening, people I know and people I do not know, people who are going through some stuff in their, their personal lives, with their families, um, children, adult children, grandchildren, whatever the situation is. I know because I'm struggling with some issues now regarding um, some, my grandson, and I pray, Father, that you would speak to their hearts, give them encouragement, give them new ways to think about their maze, give them uh, scripture, help them to know that if it's okay if you run into a dead end, if you don't know what to do, it's okay if you're weak, because you're there lighting the way, showing us another way to take, or what to do while we're waiting for you to remove that that barricade or that that dead end or that hurdle, helping us to have those hind feet to go over those hurdles. That's amazing. And so, Lord, I also want to lift up this, this situation we're living in in this country. I pray for the president. I pray for all those uh, politicians who are, who are leading our government in one way, whether it's local, state, or, or federal government, especially those people who are evil people, those people who don't care about anybody but themselves and what they could get, those people who don't care about the poor and those who are losing their jobs and their homes and the roofs over their heads, those who don't have money to buy food and whatever. I pray, Lord, for those people that they will have a divine intervention, a divine um, uh, you, you will divinely intervene in their lives and show them you and the truth and show them that their hearts need to be cleansed, that they need to be saved, that they need to have compassion on other people, Lord, and not just say or think, I got mine and I don't care if you get yours. I pray for the president who's doing a lot of lying, cheating, stealing, and corruption. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to his evil heart um, he doesn't even appear to be a human being, Lord. And you are the only one that can get to him. So I'm begging you, please, please get to him and change him. I pray that he won't go to hell. 
And I pray that he will stop doing all these evil things to hurt people, to break people, to discourage people. Father, I pray for those in our government who are trying to make the right decisions. None of these people are perfect and they all have their share of blame and problems to go around. But we do know that there are people in our government, our government, some politicians who do know you and some who are trying to do right by the people. Some who are fighting for people to have, you know, um, their jobs and to have uh, uh, help, stimulus help from the government as they are going through things. They've lost their businesses or, or whatever the case, or lost their jobs and don't even have a roof. I saw uh, something that devastated me, Lord, um, on, on a video with an old woman being evicted from her, her home and she was sitting out there on her, on her um, walker. It just hurt me to my heart. And I wish that I could help all these people. I know I cannot, but these things shouldn't be happening. And I pray that you would do something about this, that you would give us a president who will have a heart for the people, one who will know how to go to you and pray to you and, and, and say, Lord, show me how to lead, show me how to help people, show me how to do the best I can to be the leader you want me to be, that this leader would be a and be somebody like a Josiah or a Hezekiah or a Jehoshaphat. We pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we pray, I pray also for um, those who are being evicted, those who are without food and clothing and shelter, those who are all, who are gonna be making more homeless, uh, rising up the statistics of homelessness on the streets. Lord, I pray for those who've lost their businesses I pray for those employers and those landlords who are caught in the middle too, who don't know they have to pay somebody too, and they don't really know what to do. Father, what we need in this country is compassion. We need 1 Corinthians 13, love. We need kindness. We need people to get out of their comfort zones and write checks when they can. And I know I'm trying to do that for the, the local food bank is to write a monthly check to help those who are victims of all of this mess that's going on and who need food. And how wonderful it makes me feel to know when the letter come back, comes back from them to tell me these people were helped before they were helped. Oh God, help us. And I thank you for your being God, for you being in the power that can rest on us if we know you. And that we, you did not leave us as orphans, that you're here caring and loving on us and for us, and still giving us hope in the midst of all this mess. I pray that for the entire world and for all those dictators and people who are being, who are being um, uh, treated badly all around the world. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And may the Lord be with you. I love you, and shalom.